Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by the wonderful Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? Uh, We have a guest for you today that helps with the busyness in all of our lives. Because after the pandemic, I feel like we got this lull and now everything is ramping up again. I mean, do you feel that way, Brie? Oh, yeah. Like it's all of a sudden we're back to pre-pandemic 2020. But like on steroids, because we're all trying to make up for the spare time that we somehow perceive that we lost. It's really stressful. There's a lot of a lot of things going on. And then I mean, you and I raising teenagers, I feel like sometimes it's different because we're trying to get them to do something. Right. Yes. Instead of like we don't plan their activities for them or anything like that. But it's we reach this interesting transition where they're not doing anything they're not because they were so used to everything being planned for them or not doing anything during the pandemic and now we're just like hey we need to push you out of your comfort zone and you need to try this oh yeah 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 you know my teens are one year apart and i have one teen who is i I keep constantly being like i think you're doing too much i think you're trying to make up for too much time and the other teen like you said i can't even pull that one out of her bedroom (laughs) i'm like come on let's go do something socialize in some way yeah, it's interesting. But our lives as parents sometimes get co-opted by our kids' activities. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something to really keep in mind while listening to our guest today. Our guest today is Hunter Clark Fields. She's a mindfulness mentor, Mindful Mama podcast host, and the mom to two daughters. She's also the number one bestselling author of Raising Good Humans. And she has a new book that just came out called Raising Good Humans Every Day, which gives you really actionable strategies in really short amounts. So in this podcast episode, listen for what Hunter recommends you do if you're feeling hurried and why actually hurrying and rushing from thing to thing may be causing some things that you don't want in your relationship with your kids. So we hope you enjoy our interview with Hunter. You want mom life? to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Welcome, Hunter, to the No Guilt Mom podcast. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me, Joanne. I'm happy, super psyched to be here. I'm a big fan of yours. I've read Raising Good Humans. Your new book, Raising Good Humans Every Day, just came out as we're doing this interview. And I love how practical you are. And I love how you really take it back to the parent and how the parent needs to be calm and mindful first before you can even start to affect your kid's behavior. And I know you have a personal story about how you discovered that. Can you share that with us? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't come by these tools because I'm just naturally a Zen mama. Like, that's just not who I am. I actually come by these tools because I really, really needed them desperately. And I had started learning about mindfulness when I was a teen, and it really helped me as a highly sensitive person. But then when I had my daughter, 
when she was about one and a half, two years old, you know, that age where they start walking and talking back to you. And she would have these intense feelings. She was highly sensitive too. And my temper came out. I would yell at her and then I would feel so much guilt. I would feel so miserable. This was exactly how I had decided I don't want to parent my child, you know, because I remembered my father's temper and, you know, being terrified of him and how our relationship was difficult, you know, for many years after I left home. So I realized like I had to do something about it. And I was like following all these great parenting coaches who had great things to tell you about how to respond to your kids in moments. But then I would never remember any of it when I was getting triggered. And so I realized that these things I had been studying about and reading about from the mindfulness world really actually like apply enormously here that, you know, in order to be able to engage my whole brain, I have to be able to calm my reactivity. And so that's where I really started to kind of pull that mindfulness stuff back into my life and, you know, try to be the change because I wasn't, you know, screw your heart to change her didn't work very well. It was really like leaving us both miserable. So I had to like focus on what is my locus of control and it is me. Right. It is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard thing to realize because I don't know about you, but like I'm not very highly, I'm ambitious and I like to be in control and parenting, you just lose that whole sense of control. I mean, you describe it so well in your newest book, Raising Good Humans Every Day, where you say, if you saw a job posting for a position that promised yelling, crying and attitude from your coworkers, isolation, never ending mess and outside responsibility 24 hours a day with no breaks ever, you would probably run for the hills. Yeah. Oh, what? No, no, that sounds ideal. How much are you paying? I would love that kind of daily stress. Right. Yeah. And on top of it, you pay them. Right. Remember that part. There's nothing coming. Well, You get the occasional sticky hug and a lick on the face. That reminds me of a story with my daughter when she was four. And she's like, here, mama, hold this. And I'm like, oh, okay, what is this? A booger. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. I think the best I had, sorry, we're going to have to intertwine this. The best I had was what I used to do at home therapy. So it wasn't my own kids that did this, but a kid wanted to share his snack with me. So he ate his goldfish and then spit it out in his hand and then he had, and as well, I was like, he never shares anything. Can you take it? And I'm like, no, no, no. That is a step beyond like, but that's, that's something your kid would do though. Right. I mean, that is something that your own child would do. Yes. So yeah, the joy. Yeah. Yeah. Although to be fair, we like reach over and wipe stuff from their mouth constantly True. right like are yeah like we lick the finger and then we wipe their faces and they're just like oh my god what are you doing so then and then when they come back and try to lick us we're like what are you doing we don't use tongues on mom where did you learn this it's that modeling of behavior well you know my big thing is that mine are teens now so like they would act like what no we don't do any of that i always say teenagers are like toddlers but with better vocabulary you really need that mindfulness again because those buttons and those big emotions. And you need that time for self-care. And a lot of our daily lives today, especially in family lives, are just so, so busy. And one of the things that you mentioned in Raising Good Humans is that 
when we hurry, our nervous system interprets it as a threat, which could lead us even more to like the stress respond. Can you can you tell us any more about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so basically we're kind of battling. We're not battling, but we're trying to work with our stress response, right? Our stress response, like I said, it actually cuts off access to the slower parts of your brain. So that's the area behind your forehead, the area that your kids won't develop until they're in their early 20s, which is responsible for verbal ability, problem solving, impulse control, right? Like these are all the things we really need to parent well. And when our stress response really gets going, it like just bypasses that because it's too slow for you to be reacting instantaneously. So yeah, and when you hurry, I know this is the thing, it's like, so it kills me. I think about time pressure all the time because it's like, it didn't exist for 99.9% of human evolution. Like we didn't have this, right? And so anytime we're hurrying, our nervous system is like, oh, you must be under threat, right? Because our ancient ancestors, they didn't have watches. They would get somewhere by you know, sunset, right? Or whatever. So they, if you were hurrying, there really was something wrong. When we squeeze things into our schedule, when we have lots of back-to-back things, and we do this because we want to get the A plus as moms, right? Like we want to do well by our kids. It's motivated by love that we pack our schedules, right? We want them to have all the experiences. We don't want to miss out on what the neighbor kids are doing and all the other kids are doing. So if they're doing soccer and swim class and music class, like we want to do that too. We feel that pressure, but it really makes like a stressed experience for us. And I promise you, if you are feeling hurried and stressed, Your kid is because the pace of childhood is even slower, right? So really, really, really what they need is actually in a lot of ways, like little kids, they need more free time, more time to play freely. They can be bored. That's good for them. So when we stack our schedules like this, we're really like working against A, our nervous system, leading ourselves to be more likely to yell at our kids and create that disconnect and make them more likely to resent us and resist us when we do have something to say. And it's not as beneficial for their development as is some time and space for free play and, you know, creativity that comes from boredom. Yeah, there is this fear of that our kids are going to miss out if they don't do this extracurricular or that extracurricular. And I feel like that was alleviated a little bit in the pandemic because, I mean, you couldn't. And now it's coming back. It's coming back full force where kids have these jam-packed after-school schedules and parents are again feeling that you have to do all the things and you have to say yes to all the things to make up for lost time and to get your kids those social experiences. And it's really, it's causing so much more stress than benefit. But there's also this other thing about like keeping up with everybody and the comparison. I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings. And oh my gosh, has it been busy lately. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day. And it makes me feel energized. Even like I still add the coffee on there because I like it a lot. AG1 tastes really good too. And I enjoy my glass 
every single morning. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. That's drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. Check it out. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. The mom comparison, it's so hard. How do we like resolve those two things? I mean, that's why a lot of this parenting work goes back to us and our self-awareness, right? Understanding ourselves, like what really are we motivated by, right? If we sit with the feeling of, I feel like my kid has to do all these things, if we close our eyes and feel into our body about that, is that coming from a place of tension? Is that coming from a place of like nervousness, of a place of feeling kind of not enough? And I think that a lot of things come from our own insecurity, right? And we want to like give our kids all these things so they don't have the insecurities that we have. But then that's exactly how we end up inadvertently kind of passing them on, right? Then we teach our kids to be busy and busy and busy so they never slow down and and get to know themselves. And, And it's interesting when I think about like that idea of like, what is a good human, right? Like, what do I want for my kids? My ideal for them is that they are comfortable in their own skin that they know themselves, that they are comfortable in their own skin so that they can then, you know, get the grades, they can work hard and do those things, but they're not doing it from a sense of I'm not enough. They're doing whatever they're doing from a sense of I can do that thing because I am comfortable in who I am. And that's what we all want, right? That's kind of what we're all going for and going back to the working on yourself first. Did you uh, by chance see the Barbie movie? Yes. I just, <laughs> when you say I am enough, I'm like, I'm picture Ken had yes. a t-shirt at the end. Yes. I am enough. Enough. Oh, I love that. Oh, my enough. gosh. Oh, my I am enough. And his song, I am Ken. Oh, we were just listening to it in the car this morning, me and my son. Oh, there are some good things about saying how enough he is and and feel the energy and like, oh, I'm going off on a tangent right now. But I think like what you said is that we're all looking to feel comfortable in our own skin. We're all looking to feel like we're enough. And it goes back to us as moms, as parents, to show our kids the model of what it can be and what adult life can be like. And you have some tips in your book, too, about taking that pause, that pause from busyness, that the self here. And one of them that really caught my eye because it's starting to be a huge conversation is about the multitask. Yeah, we don't really multitask. We switch our attention back and forth. As we know, we're like, we're all getting that message kind of from different places, right? And it's funny because, you know, when I talk about mindfulness from people, they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Tell me about that thing you do over there. And don't, don't suggest that I do it, you know. But it's funny because when we take a like a couple of minutes each day to Basically, a mindfulness practice invites us to kind of just stop, 
stop going in doing mode, going mode, and sit in being mode for a minute, right? And just like notice what's here and be aware of what's here. When we do this, we're practicing, you know, we're practicing basically single tasking. We're practicing bringing our attention back to whatever's here in the present moment with a sense of kindness and curiosity. And so the crazy thing about our mindfulness practice is the things that it affects over time. So after about eight weeks, the amygdala, which is the center of your fight, flight, or freeze center in the brain, actually shrinks. It actually gets smaller. There are MRI brain scans that have shown this. The prefrontal cortex area, the area responsible for you know impulse control and problem solving and all those higher order tasks, it actually grows thicker and stronger in MRI scans. And the thing about the single tasking is, is that sometimes people are like, oh my God, don't even, I can't even do another thing in my day. But it's like this weird thing that like gives us more time. You know, so if we take like, say we hide in the bathroom and we take 60 seconds on our, our timer or three minutes or whatever, we sit on the toilet, right? And just like hide and, and do a breathing practice and a mindfulness practice for three minutes. It's this weird thing that actually like, as you single task, you end up getting things done faster. You're more efficient because when you're there and focus on something and you're able to, you know, with the practice, let other things go, you get things done so much more efficiently. So it's kind of this weird thing that gives you a little bit more time, which is very nice. It is interesting. There was a recent article that was written by Oliver Berkman. I think I got his last name right. I read one of his books and I loved it. But he's all about productivity. Do you know him as an author? No. He So he recently wrote a post that said about single tasking. And I wanted to get your opinion on it because he's like, so when you wash the dishes, only wash the dishes and don't listen to a podcast. When you like do the laundry, only do this. And another friend of ours came out and was like, no, somebody who tells to single task like this has never had to wash the dishes for like three hours a day or to do laundry repetitively. And so I hear you're saying like it's like three minutes, it's like four minutes. But like when it comes to kind of the mundane task, what do you feel on that in regards to multitasking and doing something else? Well, I mean, I'm of the school of mindfulness where I really think of it as a very practical thing. Like, I definitely listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts as I get ready. I listen to podcasts as I wash the dishes. But I also spend some time, like, when I go for a walk, I don't bring my phone with me. I don't listen to anything while I go for a walk. The whole, like, idea of, oh, we're going to be some perfect, you know, we're going to be like the Dalai Mama now that I've, you know, no, like, that's not going to happen. It's totally, it's totally fine for you to have, like, the middle path of this, right? If you have a little mindfulness practice throughout your day, and then maybe you do you know, if if normally you go for two walks a day, you take one of your walks and you don't listen to something, right? It's not like all of a sudden now we're supposed to feel guilty if we wash the dishes listening to a podcast. We can say, sure, it's beneficial. But of all of the like not so harmful <laughs> escapist things there are out there, sometimes it's a skillful means to, you know, to zone out and watch Grey's Anatomy, right? If like that's like if you're if you've had a really hard day and you're not ready to like take care of those feelings quite yet, right? And that maybe it's a form of blocking, but maybe at that moment, that is a skillful choice. It's really about taking that middle path. Like, what are some minimal steps I can do to introduce something like being more mindful in my life in a way that's actually sustainable with my life? And I think this really actually like there's a, so one of the things, right, we want to do is to give our attention be fully present with our kids, right? Dan Siegel's come on my podcast twice and said, this is like the number one best thing you can do for your children. 
Yes, yes, yes. And it's great. And that's what I help moms do and dads do. But it's not like you're going to be 100% mindful with your kids all the time. Actually, the research about this shows that the parents, like we're only, it's only possible to be good enough. And actually the parents who did the best on giving their kids their undivided attention in the research, the very tippy top of the parents, they did that for 30% of the time. Right. 100%. 100 unattainable. See, that seems doable. 30% of the time seems doable with your kids. Putting down the phone all the time is unreasonable because you have work you're doing on it. And 30% to be the good enough parent, as you say, like seems totally reasonable. And I love that. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. So being a good enough parent is one of the things that is so good to keep in mind. Another thing that you recommend is the scheduling of downtime, which, oh my gosh, seemed so foreign to me before I actually did it. So tell us the logic behind it. Well, I mean, the things that get on the calendar get done. That, I mean, I that experience that today when I was like, oh, let's meet up at 11 for blah, blah, blah. And then it just didn't happen because I didn't put it on my calendar. We know this, right? And so if we know that like, hey, my family and I, we just got back from New York City and we did an overnight, right? It was kind of a big thing. And so if you know you're doing something like that, 
And I'm working on this, my goodness, myself too. But like schedule in a day where you have nothing to do, you know, and so or do it regularly. So in my family, we do a screen free Sunday. And I love this habit because the most creative projects came out of my kids on Sundays forever and ever and ever. And just the idea that we have a day where we don't check email, we just rest, we give ourselves a break, we read books we go for walks, we go to the pool, whatever, you know, we do all those things, but we just take a break. And the idea of letting that be maybe a value in your life, we in the United States, we have been inundated with the like Protestant work ethic value, right? Where we are all busy bees, have to work all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. And if you're not, you're lazy. But it's like, if you don't meet that standard too, it's not only are you supposed to do this, but it's if you don't, then you are less than, then you are faulty. And I hate that. It's crazy. And it makes it for a whole country of anxious people, right? And we're starting to realize that like this being busy all the time, right? We, it raises our stress levels. It raises our reactivity. It makes us feel less than if we rest. And actually, we can start to shift that and say, actually, to our kids, like, actually, no, it's good for us to rest. It's good for us to take time to slow down. It's and it's really good for your kids if you as a parent are at ease, if you're rested, if you're relaxed, then you're your best parent, right? You probably like joke with them. You're a little silly and maybe tickle them, whatever, you know, like all that stuff. Like even with your teens, you can joke around a little bit more when you're at ease, right? And all that. Well, and you have more room. You have more emotional room, right? Like for the stressful thing, because you don't have 16 other things happening at the same time. You could deal with those complaining coworkers and annoying, like, you know, when I'm referring to like the kids, the complaining and annoying coworkers and the ones who could like the sticky fingers and the, the sticky fingers. Yeah, exactly. It's so it's so hard, though. It's so foreign if you're so used to going all the time just to sit and rest, even as moms in the home. Like I remember seeing my mom up all the time, like family dinners, holidays. It'd be like, mom, come sit and rest. And she'd be like, no, who's going to do this? And I'm fine. You go rest. I'm good. And when it's this thing that's been modeled to us, it's one of those we have to consciously make the decision to rest and make downtime because it feels so wrong, Hunter. Yeah. If you had one of those self-sacrificing moms, it really does feel so wrong. But self-sacrificing is like such a recipe for burnout, isn't it? And it's hard to like relate on an authentic person-to-person level, right? When you're in this role of I am the perfect mom, right? I am this role. I think of this as like role to role. We can do that or we can do soul to soul. And that was the title of an amazing book I got a long time ago by Annie Burnside. But this, and I think of that so often like I just you know it's our kids really crave that too they want us to be real with them right they want us to be real human beings with them and sometimes we may have trouble like resting and letting some other people pick up the slack if that's been modeled for us but we have to think also then one of our motivators can be like well what do I want my kids to be doing do I want my kids to be the ones who are going and going and going until they're exhausted What do I want to model then, right, for my kids? You always have to think, I always think of that, like to be a model instead of a martyr, you need to think of yourself first, what you're projecting, and that's the best way to change behavior in your kids because they see it and they internalize it. So what are you looking forward to right now, Hunter? 
Well, we've just had all done a lot of book launch stuff. It's been exciting and fun. But actually, like, so my family goes on a well, almost a week long mindfulness family retreat at the Blue Cliff Monastery up in New York. And it's it's like for all these families who practice mindfulness and they have a great teen program. So I'm so excited for my 13 year old and 16 year old to go with the teens and have five days without my I'm so excited. It is so different when you leave your phone like behind. Yes. That's I'm kind of jealous. Five days without your phone. That is nice. I bet we could find something like that in Sedona, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe in Sedona. This retreat, they have basically have like planned in like nap time every day because every day after lunch there's deep relaxation and you just get these cushions and you're like they walk you through progressive relaxation. And so everybody just kind of takes a nap mid-afternoon. It's really, you're speaking my language. Really lovely. Especially after <laughs> all the busyness that you've been going through with. Really. Well, the new book, Raising Good Humans Every Day, is fantastic. I highly recommend everyone go out and get it. And Hunter, it was wonderful to meet you and just a joy. And I could, I have so many more questions for you and could talk to you for such a long time. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, Bree. Thank you, Joanne. I really appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing. And I think this has been so much fun. So I like my kids being older because now I'm opting out of so many of their activities and being responsible for them. Yeah. You can ask teens to get rides from people now, right? which is oh, amazing. right? Or if you're really lucky, you have one that already has a driver's license and you're like, here, use the car. Go run your sister here. Go take yourself there. And you know what else is great about teens? No more sticky fingers or being offered chewed up snacks. Sorry, I had to go back to that. I had to go back to that. Uh, sometimes, though, the mess they leave on the counter is kind of comparable to all of that. <laughs> oh, oh, it can be. It can <laughs> be. <laughs> but it's like all these things we weren't told when we had little kids about the joys of teens, because I feel like Everyone says, oh, what? wait for the teen years. That's when it gets hard. No, it's pretty awesome, actually. It provides a lot more freedom and it's cool seeing them become responsible. And I enjoy it a lot. Highly recommend. 10 out of 10. Get a teen. I will. I'm not sure. I'm not the same as you on that one. I got to disagree. I do enjoy the freedom, but I miss the snuggles or even just the enjoying having me around. That I do miss. I miss being able to be a more informed part of their life. It's a lot harder in my household with my teens to be informed in what's going on in their lives. It's almost like I'm like the the crazed fan. Tell me more. Tell me more. You want to hang out? You want to talk? But it is cool. There are pros and cons to all stages, I think. That need for physical affection, I do have to say my dog Addie gets a lot more snuggles from me. And I'm <laughs> a little more Elmira from Tiny Toons with her. And I'm like, give me some cuddles. I'm going to love you and pet you and take care of you. Yes. Pretty much. I think dogs, dogs fill that role really well. I enjoy that. So if you have a teen, we're telling you, go get a dog. Go get a dog. And they're always happy to see you. Your dog is like, I'm so happy you're home. I'm like the teen. My my teen is only happy to see me when I come bringing snacks. Both of them. They're very different personalities, but I can bribe them with snacks. I don't feel a sense of loss with my teen's behavior at all. I love it. I love their independence. 
And I think it's just my personality. I just I, I love to see them be independent and not like hang on me and need me quite as much. But it's totally different for everybody. So that's how it is. But Hunter, she was amazing. And she has so much going on right now with her book. But her tips and both of her books, Raising Good Humans and Raising Good Humans Every Day, it is amazing. Like I, I take a lot of actually inspiration from her and I use her a lot in my teaching and my coaching, particularly about think of hurrying and how hurrying creates stress in your family. And I don't know if you saw that reel that I did. Of course, you saw it, Brie, about whose problem is it, you know, about the shoes on the stairs. That comes from Hunter's work as well, who owns the problem. And it really affects how you communicate if you take ownership over seeing a messy house. And it's not what you think. It's not like you put the mess there. It's more that you are bothered by the mess. And so when you take ownership of being bothered, communicating that and getting people to clean up is very different versus saying, you need to clean up your mess. How dare you be a slob? Right. It's definitely a different mindset there. So go out and get Hunter's book. It is fantabulous. I just, it's amazing. It is amazing. So remember the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you and we'll see you later. Thanks for stopping by. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.